turn it on first. Amen. Hey, before you sit down, hug somebody and say, welcome home. I like seeing that. That's nice. Hey, if you are, uh, if you're visiting with us, whether you're at one of our locations here in Denver, uh, around town, whether you're at our Brussels, Belgium campus, Brussels, what's up? We love you so much. Or one of our God Behind Bars men and women's campuses. Can we make some noise for our God Behind Bars campuses? Ladies at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility and men at the Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility, your family, we love you, we believe in you, and we're so glad that you're with us right now as, uh, as part of this church family. So thanks for being with us. If you are visiting, um, it's important to us that, that you feel welcome. Like that's right up top, that's like just, it's so important to us. We want you to know we're nothing special we don't have all the answers. We won't pretend to. We're not perfect. We won't even pretend to be. We just don't have the energy. We are, bless you, we are <laughs> broken people living in a broken world, imperfect people, but we get to come here and pursue a perfect God. And what an honor it is as a church family to get together and do that. So we are going to continue to do that today at every single one of our services. But so if you're joining with us, uh, number one, I know that it's hard getting a seat right now. In fact, if everyone could scoot in, can you guys, if there's any room on your rows, would you scoot in and make room for the people walking in? We want you to know this and we mean it. We know that it's weird visiting a church, right? We already know because we're a part of one, but church people are just weird, okay? And so it's weird the first time you visit a church. And so we want you to know that no matter what you've been through, no matter what has happened, no matter what anyone's ever said about you, no matter what you may come in here thinking about yourself, in this place you will be loved and welcomed and valued and accepted and we're glad you're here. So welcome home and welcome to Red Rocks Church. Hey, church family at every single location, can you make some serious noise for not just my friend but my brother, Chad Brugman? What's up, people? How are we doing? Good? Love it. These are my notes tonight. There's three lines. And so um, asking for a lot of grace tonight. Um, I'm going to give you guys an announcement. And then I'm going to reverse engineer the announcement and explain it in context. But if I don't say it right up top, it'll just be weird. So um, I am... Uh, officially resigning from Red Rocks Church. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> that felt really nice. Thank you. Like, oh. Um, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask at the four, especially, because this is the first one I got to do. Um, that, and you guys will. This is, this is why I've loved working here this whole time is because of how gracious you guys are. So I'm just asking for a lot of grace because I'm a hot mess of emotion and uh, nostalgia and gratitude um, and when you put all those things together, even German people start crying. So um, 
I'm going to ask, even if you're new, like I haven't preached a lot for the last three months, and you may be new here, and you're like, who's that guy up there? Who cares if he's leaving? Like, what? Get off the stage. Where's the other people? But if you've been here longer than that, if you've been here longer than that, then um, you would know that I've, I've been a part of Red Rock's story, and I've had the privilege of being a part of the story since um, day one. And so um, this is just a really important, beautiful, hard moment all in the same thing. And so I'm going to do what I'm always going to do before I uh, explain to you the context around my resignation. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to be the Lord over this moment. Heavenly Father, I just love you so much. I love this church so much. I love that you let me be a part of it. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that yet again you would bless every campus that's watching this. There'd be such a sweet blessing on every person that is in one of our campuses or that's watching online or podcasting it, that your presence would be felt, God. Holy Spirit, you are my best friend. And I want to share that with all my other friends. So be here with us, and Jesus, we're here to lift you up. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. See, I'm already starting. I'll get better. I just need to get it out. Um, about a year and a half ago, I uh, went to counseling because my wife kept saying, I think you need to go to counseling. And I was like, you need to go to counseling. <laughs> <laughs> but Whatever. And she had told me, she had told me for uh, a few years, like, I think you're tired. I think, I think a counselor, and my wife, and I'm so proud of her. She's such a rock. Um, she had been in counseling for a whole bunch of different things, and she had worked hard, and she had paid some prices, and I got to just be her friend, and I just got to be her husband, and I just got to come alongside her. And because luckily most of the problems weren't ones I had created in her life, thank God. Uh, they were from other things. And um, I watched her for about five years do really, really hard work to get healthy and to get whole. And so she kept telling me, go, go, go. Cause once you go and it works, you're like a believer. Right. And I was like, I don't need that. Right. And all this. And then I finally went, if my best friend in, in life thinks I need to go and knows me better than anyone, I'm going to go. And so, uh, I went to counseling and I, I started out by going to a week long intensive five days and you're there like five, six hours and you're just, it's, it's intense. It's great, but it's intense. And, um, in, in those five days, I had an incredible line in the sand moment. And I think it also, I've talked and joked a lot about midlife crisis, and some of that was joking, not joking. Um, but um, I think some of it has to do with the age of life. I'm, for those of you who don't know, I'm 44, and so I'm just kind of in some of you men in here. Uh, I, I can't speak for you women. Maybe it's the same thing for you. I'm just not speaking for you. Um, but there's just something that happens in kind of your, your late 30s, early 40s to mid 40s where, where God's just ready to do something different. And you can choose to embrace it or you can choose to fight it. And I had seen the effects it had on men that fought it. it, it I, and I, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be the guy who gets older and has to keep trying harder and harder to stay younger and, and, and compensate with, with conquest and with stuff and with materialism and with all the things the world says you need uh, to, to, to prove that you've done life well. I was like, there's got to be something more than that. And I've seen it not work well for men. And I've seen it cause men to get so distracted with things that don't matter when we get to heaven. 
And I really want my second half of life to be something that is important and that matters deeply. And I need to get healthy if I'm going to do that. And so I went to counseling. I need to speed this up, but you guys know me. Um, You guys know me. So uh, I went to counseling, and in those five days, it felt like I had been to counseling for five years. God just used it. And I had all kinds of insight about myself, and I had all kinds of breakthroughs about things about me. And I just, something changed in my heart when I went there for that, those sessions. And then I've continued over the year and a half, you know, not as frequently, obviously, but, and it's been amazing. Um, But one of the things that my counselor did, this is going to seem so small to you, and it's literally was divine for me, is I was having a moment, I don't remember what day it was or how far into it we were or not, but he said, can you, I want to take you through an, like, I want to help you with some anxiety, just give you an exercise or two, because I'm like, I don't know what to do with that when I have it, and and, and, and if I'm getting this story right, he's like, uh, can you think of like a really cool moment in your childhood that represents peace and that represents something that you just can, re- like a vivid memory that, that for you is relaxing or it brings peace and you feel safe. And I was like, I had to think about it for a minute because I don't sit around thinking about that stuff. And I thought about it and I, I thought of, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, and that's a sweet childhood. Um, it's a beach town, and it's Boulder with a beach. Everyone's weird and uh, hyper-liberal, but it's beautiful, and I loved my childhood there. Um, and uh, there's this wharf in Santa Cruz that every now and then, wh- whoever I was out there with, my family, my friends, whatever, there's this wharf, and it had restaurants on it, and I think, if I remember right, it had an ice cream store, and you guys know that's my sweet spot. And so, and and dads and sons would be on the wharf fishing and the waves would be crashing and I love the smell. Some of you don't like I love the smell of the beach, the salt water. I love it. I was I lived there as a kid. It's in my blood. And um you would watch Santa Cruz has huge waves. It's one of the pro surfing tours stops. Like it's huge waves and there's a ama- you have to be amazing to go out in these waves. And so when you're on these when you're on this wharf, you would watch amazing surfers. And I was just remember that's what came to my mind was this wharf. And and so he, he gave me some exercises of just, you know, go, you know, going to that place and just finding some peace and, and just taking some deep breaths. And, and so I picked the wharf. And after I left his office that day, I had homework to do. And then I went and I wrote the first and I probably the last poem I'll ever write. <laughs> I'm not much of a poet, but I wrote a poem and, and, and I, had, I had left his office and I was reading John 15. And I started crying in a coffee shop, which is awkward, but God was at work. And I was reading John 15. If you don't know what that is, it's it's where Jesus is saying, listen, if you'll just remain in me, and if I remain in you, my word, if it remains in you, you're going to bear much fruit. You're going to do okay. And And here's the cool thing. It says, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Like, that's what God wants. And there's this old mystic Catholic guy that that writes, and he's dead now. His name's Thomas Merton. And he said, for an apple to be an apple, it just needs to sit in the sun. To be everything God meant it to be, it just needs to sit in the sun. And I, I've always known that quote, and I always kind of was like, yeah, it sounds nice, but I don't know if that's true. You can't just sit there and become something. And then I'm reading Jesus' words in a really tired, vulnerable place. And Jesus, I just hear him with the softest thing going, if you'll just stay with me, just walk with me, talk with me, become friends with me. Like, like, learn the unforced, as the, the message version says in Matthew 11, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
Like, take a walk with me. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come with me. I'll teach you how it's really done. And you'll learn the unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. And so I wrote this poem, and I'm going to say it. And it's really bad because I'm not a poet, but, but this, is, this has been liturgy for me. This has been a prayer for me every morning. I sit, I sit in a chair like this in my living room in the morning, and my wife made a plaque of it, a big one, and it sits across from me. And I look at it every morning just like when I'm reading the Bible. And I just say this before I talk with the Lord. And it, it goes like this. It goes, I stand at the wharf watching each wave pass by, creator by my side. He says nothing, I say nothing. Creator by my side. No earning, no striving, no one to impress, nothing to prove. Creator by my side. Remain. And for a year and a half, if you pray something over and over, it's going to have an effect on your life. And that, that one little poem that I felt like the Lord gave me when I was reading John 15 was me going, God, this is, this is what I need. I need to just sit with you with no expectation of anything in return. And I just need to, I can't earn right now and I can't strive right now and I can't impress and I can't prove anything to anybody else. Um, I'm too tired to do that. And, um, and so that was the start of my heart getting healthy. And in my heart getting healthy, what I've realized over the long haul, and especially in the last quarter, the last three, four months, and that's kind of why um, Sean and the team, the, the fellows were so kind to let me check out and be like, that's what great friends do. And the minute they knew I was going through something, they just said, take all the time you want. Take all the time you want. This is bigger than Red Rocks Church. This is bigger. This is about fr family and friendship. And so I just want you to know that those are the people that are leading your church. Like, they literally didn't care about it. They just said, go and take all the time that you want, and I will forever be indebted to those guys who are my family and my friends um, for letting me do that. And I took some time in the last three months to really seek God. And one of the things that I've learned, and there's so much context that I won't be able to give, but I'm trying to give what's most important. And one of the things that my wife and I realized was, um, and we got this from a book that we, we read together, about going through difficult season and, and healing and, and health. And, and um, one of the chapters was about um, resuscitation versus resurrection. And I remember when we were reading that book together, I'm like, this is me. This is me. I've been resuscitating for the last several years so I can do it another year. I've been resuscitating my heart. I've been, I've been shocking it back to life so I could get up and, and do the church thing again and be Pastor Chad again for the next few years. And I, I don't want to do that anymore. I can't resuscitate anymore. Like, pull, pull the plug. But I don't think that's what God wants for my life either. I feel like he's got a lot more for me to do. Um, and so what my wife and I decided was we are going to have a season of resurrection, not resuscitation. But here's the deal. And here's where I'll just preach for a minute. Is every one of us at different times are going to have those seasons in our life. And it's not all just at midlife crisis time. Some of you, it'll be in your 20s. Some of you, it'll be in your 60s and everywhere in between. But you're just going to have the sweet spirit of God just gently pushing you to say, it's time to die. It's not time to resuscitate. It's not time to jump your heart back in so you can do it another day. It's time to die because when Jesus was resurrected, he came back hard to believe, but he came back even more powerful 
then before he died. He started walking through walls, and he started doing some stuff he wasn't doing before that, and he was kind of alluding to what it's going to be like after we breathe our last and get our new bodies and we get this new earth. It's going to be incredibly different, but what I so want for the second half of my life is I want to die to what needs to die in me so that I walk into this, I think, the most important half of life because I've just gotten to learn a few things now. I feel like I have a few more things to offer the world now. I get to walk into the second half of life, and I want a resurrection spirit. I want to be more powerful than I ever was on this side of it. But for me to do that, it's important you hear this. For me to do that, I need to step away. I told the staff this on Tuesday. I'll say it to you guys like this. Starting a church, especially one, we've kind of, we've kind of been a statistical anomaly. Uh, and I'm putting that lightly if you do stats on church plants. Um, the degree and the rate with which this has grown is a bit of an anomaly. There's some other ones out there, but they're definitely few and far between. And I don't say that with one ounce of pride or braggadocious because you've seen all of us. We don't deserve this, right? Like, you know, you know, you got a good balance with us, right? We know that God just went, I'm blessing that. And I still, there's still so much mystery to me, but I am so grateful for that. But, but one of the ways we've explained planning a church like this and what God did with the rapid growth and everything, it's kind of like you're building a plane while you're flying it. So just stop for a minute and imagine that. Stop for a minute and picture building a plane while it's flying. It's exhilarating and it's chaotic and it's everything in between. It's a whole lot of fun. It's like, can you believe we're doing this? And then other moments you're just hanging on to a wing going, I'm about to die. <laughs> that's church planning. And, and that's what it's been. It's just been this endless cycle of, uh, of just, just, I think I'm going to die and fall off. Or this is the most fun I've ever had in my life. And I have no regrets. But, but one thing that after about three months of praying, and I promise you I did my due diligence, Red Rocks Church. My wife and I, we did our due diligence. I was just like, I need to step off the plane. And let it keep flying without me on it. Um, I just need to do that for the health of my soul. Uh, I just, I'm glad I just saw some of your faces going like, what's really going on? I get to say this, uh, and I hope this blesses you guys. Usually when a guy in my position doing what I do at a church like this, as the trajectory of the church is on it, continues to be on an upward trajectory, usually if a guy like me steps aside, what's happened? He got a different job, or he did something stupid, right? Right? Come on, we all know that. You're waiting for me to go, and by the way, I slept with the secretary. <laughs> Let's worship, right? I, <laughs> I, I have the honor and privilege to say this to you. I have, um, none of that's there. I've never loved Jesus more. There's no moral failure. Um, and I'm not above that. I'm not, you guys know, but there's none of that. I, I've never loved Jesus more. I've never loved my wife and family more. I love Red Rocks Church. If you guys could just open up my heart and I could prove to you how much I love Red Rocks Church, I think it would just be great because you guys would be like, okay, he's serious. He just needs to get off the plane for a while because this is not an easy decision for me. Nothing on paper makes sense. But how many times have Sean and I got up here and with passion talked to you about sometimes God's going to tell you to do something that doesn't make sense on paper, right? And a bunch of you have written in your stories about, remember when you preached that? Well, guess what happened? We did this crazy thing and we started this thing or we left this thing or we, we and, 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 and guess what? 
I'm not exempt from that as the guy who's telling you to do it. And now it's my turn. And my wife and I and our family are going to do something that doesn't make sense on paper because I don't know where I'm going next and I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm not going to a different thing. Um, we're, just, we're just stepping off the plane. And um, there's no scandal. There's no integrity issues. Just need a break. Um, I might share more about more context next week because I'm going to preach. So this isn't my last goodbye and then you'll never see me again. That'll be next week. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'll see you after that. But um, just so you guys know, this is so important to me that uh, I'll preach next week and I think I'll share a little bit more about because I think it'll match the last sermon I want to do here. Um, if I could talk about one thing, I think it's going to be what I'm going to talk about next week. I know it is. Um, um, but uh, so come back next week if, if you can. If you're in town, I understand if you're not. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love that if you guys came back next week. That would honor me so much because I want to give a message from my heart. And I might share a little more of my own story, but um, there's just different struggles I've had since I was in my late teens with things like depression and stuff. And I'm going to love you too. Thank you. Thank you. I got to look at my notes and return a text real quick. Give me a minute. Um, yeah, so come back next week, um, and I'll talk a little bit more, um, and it'll apply to all of us. It won't be Chad's little story. It, I, I promise. We're gonna, we're gonna, here's what we're going to do next week. You have my word. It's not going to be the Chad show. It's not going to be, let's come. It's going to be, we're, gonna, we're going to do what means the most, which is we're going to brag on Jesus, and we're going to take communion together, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus, because that's how we're going out, right? Like, that's what matters. It's not anyone, not, it's us coming here to dine with Jesus every week. That's the goal, and we're going to do that uh, next week in a powerful way. We're going to do that before we leave here. Um, one of the things that's most important that you also understand in my resignation is there are four guys that I have got to partner with running this church for 13 and a half years since there were 18 people in it. And they're doing something profoundly courageous right now. And you need to know this. This, this matters. If you want to honor me, this matters more than almost anything to me is there's four guys that aren't jumping off the plane. And it's as crazy for them as it is for me. You understand that? Like they have their burdens to bear and the rest of the staff below them have their bur burdens to bear. So this isn't like, oh, it's just so hard for Chad. No, no, it's, it's, it's great and it's hard for everyone when you're building a plane while you're flying it. There are four guys that are staying to not only continue leading this church, but compensate for a while where I'm, where I'm leaving it. You understand what an amazing thing that is? And, and I could not live with myself. A huge part of making this decision was, um, am, am, I, am I screwing them over, God? Is this, is this inappropriate, God, in, in my stage of weakness and needing to get healthy? Is this not cool? Because this is, these are my friends and family. I would do anything for them. And I just had this about a month or a little five weeks ago. God just gave me, I was, I was walking out in the park, uh, and God just gave me this coolest moment that I'll keep to myself where he just let me know, this is, Red Rocks is going to be fine. You're good, man. Red Rocks is going to be fine. 
Uh, it would have been fine if you never even came here, Chad. So you don't got to worry about that. I'm gl- I felt God being like, I'm super glad you were there. We had some fun. But even if you weren't, I, this wasn't about you. And so Red Rocks is going to be so fine. And I want you to trust that. But can you guys do me a favor? When these four guys are in a, in a vulnerable season trying to figure out how to compensate for one of, the, one of the five no longer being there and the role that I play, can you really pray for them? And I know we have such an awesome, if you knew the, how many people are constantly like, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. We're praying for you guys. We're praying for you guys. Could, could we just for a season step that up like before and, and that whatever the vision is about to come from Sean and the crew, that our church would just rally and run with it. Nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier than if we, and you guys have always been like this. When it's give, go, serve in any fashion, you guys just step up. This is why I love this church so much. And I I brag on you guys when I get the privilege of preaching other places. I get to spend the first few minutes just bragging on you guys and telling you the church that I get to be a part of. And it's amazing. And I get to actually mean it. I'm not up there lying about it to be nice. I'm actually mean it when I say how much I love you guys. And so if you guys could do that, that's super important. Um, I don't know what else I'm missing. And Sean's going to come up and we're going to keep talking for a few minutes together. Um, And the one quote, and this is so cheesy, but I've literally decided it's an important quote right now. And and it's this, and it's it's don't, don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. And I'm totally like putting that in front of my face every day. Like, don't be sad it's over. Be glad it happened. And so I end by saying this as Sean's making his way up. Um, This has been the coolest thing I've gotten to do in my life. Like, God let me be a part of a movement. Like, for those of you who were at Red a couple weekends ago, God God let me be a part of a movement. I don't know what just happened. (laughs) That was my safety blanket. Stay there, stay there, stay there. Stay there. I know, but I always need something in front of me, or I don't. So, okay. We used, to, we used to be youth pastors. It's happened naturally. So, so anyways, um, I just really, uh, just from the bottom of my heart, oh, I'm verklempt. I just pray, again, from my heart, that you would just around the guys and that this would just be an incredible thing and we would lift up the name of Jesus and that we would praise him in the holy temple with our arms lifted high, <laughs> abandoned to him. And uh, yeah, and I'm just losing it, guys. So just give me a minute here. <laughs> we used to do that and make a bunch of high schoolers laugh and apparently it works for adults too. LAUGHTER Um, are you done? Can I finish? Yeah, no, I just, I just, last thing is just saying, guys, if you knew how grateful I am that I got to be a part of this, like things like this happen every now and then, and God let me be a part of one. And if you, if you knew how much I do not take that lightly, and I know I'm very aware that this was a gift from God to a kid who didn't deserve it. And that's why I preach grace. And that's why when I go and get healthy, you're going to see me come back swinging, man. And I'm going to preach the grace and the love of God. I'm going to preach it offensively and unapologetically because you you older people, you know, you just quit caring. And I can't wait. And I'm just going to take the message God has given me. And it's for broken people. 
on the margins, and I'm just going to preach the grace and love of God, I hope with more power than I ever have before, because I, I just sat with him and got along with him for a season. That's all. Thank you. <clears throat> We're going we're gonna to clap here in just a second like crazy, but um, a few things, Chad and I were talking this week, a few things that we wanted you to know that were important to us. Um, number one is it's not the end. Um, in fact, about a month ago is when, I think about a month ago, is when Chad told me exactly how this was going to go. And um, in the same conversation when he resigned, I said, okay, great, let's get you on the schedule to preach twice next month. So, um, and that's a true story. (laughs) So that'll still be happening. He'll still be here on on just maybe not as often, but he'll still be here on the weekends. Um, it's important to me that, you know, um, that a lot of times you hear stuff like this and then, and then after, after all the dust settles, what you find out is like, there was some like some fighting going on behind the scenes or some, some, some Kobe and Shaq kind of stuff and, you know, whatever. And I just want you to know, like, it's not happening. We, we've never been closer, I don't think, as friends. True um, story. We've never prayed for each other more. Um, so none of that's happening. Um, and then I think it's important for me that you know, um, I'll never stop making fun of him. <laughs> and I'm assuming the same. I do it so much better than he does, though, right? <laughs> it's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'm going to get more reps. <clears throat> um, and it's real important to me because we have these conversations not on stage, right? And then we get up here and we have a lot of fun. Um, It's important to me that you guys know how much I love you, man, and respect you and look up to you. He's one of the godliest men I've ever met. He's going through one of the hardest times of his life. And our temptation when we do that, and maybe some of you are in the middle of it, is we run from God. And I've watched you run to God. I'll call him and be like, what's it like being unemployed? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you doing today? (laughs) And almost every day he talks to me about what he's been reading and studying and talks to me about his prayer walks and how he's walking, what, eight miles a day, something like that. Well, you couldn't tell by my weight gain, but it's a little <laughs> stress. Eight miles it adds a day. Fat. And he's like, yeah, I'm just praying, praying the Psalms on my walk and, and worshiping. And like some people, and let's be honest, we're all tempted to, things go tough and, and, and then we run from God and he runs to God. And I have so much respect for you, man. What he's doing is not easy. I was reading this morning when God called Abraham. What's crazy about that story is he called him from a really cush life and he didn't tell him where he was going. (laughs) And Abraham had to just go, had to take a step. That made me think of you, Rachel, and your family. 
one of the most generous people I've ever met. When we were starting the church way back in the day, someone gave him some money. People occasionally would just go, here's a check. And actually, it was before we even knew we were coming here and after you'd left Rockford. And someone gave him a check. I think it was for like, I don't know, like five grand or something. I don't remember exactly, but it was a huge deal. Like it was life-changing. And I remember talking to him about a month later, and I was like, well, at least you still got that, that check that those people gave you. And he's like, no, nah, I, I met a pastor in Chicago going through a tough time, and so I gave it to him. It's just who you are, man. It's who you've always been. One of the most generous people I know. You're my brother. You're an amazing husband. Father, friend, pastor. And, and I believe, church, that what we're seeing right now is one step in the journey that you and your whole family, you're going to look back at a few years later and go, that's why. That's what God was doing. And look what he did. And it's Ephesians 3.20. It's blowing us out of the water. So now at every single location, can you stand up and make some serious noise for my brother Chad? Thank you guys. Fill in the love. Thank you guys. Hey, my wife's the last one to walk on stage. Would you go crazy for her? Because she's, she's the real one here. She's, she deserves the most. Chad, would you bring your family up here? <clears throat> this family's been growing ever since we started this thing, huh? Yeah. We like... We, we used to, uh, when there was about 40 people in the church and half of it was our family, we would all go, what was that place called? In, in Golden, that uh, uh, yard house. We would go to the yard house and we'd get one long table and just sit there, be family. So I asked the family to come pray. Scott, you want to say anything? I don't want to put you on the spot. I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> totally putting him on the spot. Uh, this is my brother, guys, and I'm sad. I'm so sad. Best we've, big brother in the history of big brothers. We've either, I, by I, far. We've either lived together or worked together for like 32 years now, and I can't think of a fight or argument we got. We've, I'm, I'm sure there's been one, but I can't remember one. He's, the best, he's just the best brother, and Rachel's the best sister-in-law, and these kids are amazing. And um, I, while I'm super sad, I'm so excited for them. Um, Chad, I can't believe my little brother has influenced me the way he has. I, I'm, I would have been proud, too proud to have said that, but, but Chad's been my pastor, you know, and I've learned so much from him, and so I miss you. Love you. Glad we're brothers, because 
I can see you at Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right, so uh, my wife Jill is going to pray, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to sing a song. We're going to start off with a song called It Is Well With My Soul. And when we, when we know, we don't have to know where we're headed. We don't have to know how it's going to turn out. We don't have to know what's going to happen next. When we know, we're just doing our best to say, God, I'm just going to walk where I think you tell me to walk. Then with all confidence, we can put both hands in the air and even though we don't know where we're headed, we can sing, it is well with my soul, can't we, church? All right, babe, would you pray for us? Let's go. So I want to start this prayer with um, a verse that I read actually today, because words have been short this whole season. And, but I found a verse, and it's my prayer, our prayer for your family and for this church family as a whole, and it's this, it's Psalm 25, 20 through 21, it says, let it never be said that we trusted you, God, and you didn't come to our rescue. Your perfection and your faithfulness are our bodyguards, for you are our hope, and we trust in you as our only protection. And that's my prayer for your family as you go. You can trust that God's perfection and his faithfulness go as your bodyguards, and so much. The best is truly yet to come for your family, for this church family, and it's been an honor, an honor, an honor to work with you guys. I love you guys. I love you. We love you, church. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the Brigman family, for Chad, for Rachel, for Jude, Jane, Benjamin, and Cruz. And God, I thank you for the great and most wonderful plans that you have for them. And I thank you for the courage and the integrity that they are now walking in. Because it's not easy. It's not always easy to obey, but God, obedience is the best choice we could ever make. And so God, as they go, May they just find themselves in a season where they have never been closer to you, where they've never loved you more. And I thank you, Father, for the beauty that you're going to bring out of this season. This family is truly a planting of the Lord for the display of your splendor. That's who they are. And God, I thank you for all that they have poured into us as a church family time and time and time again. God, they've sown so many seeds of faith and hope and, and love. And God, I pray that as they go, that they would leave confident knowing that those seeds you will water, those seeds you will grow, those seeds you will make beautiful. And God, um, just as a family, as their church family, we surround them with love and prayer and pray that they would just know your peace that passes all understanding, every single one. God, I thank you for this church. I, I pray, Lord, that you would just plant inside all of our hearts a resolve to follow you forever to stay and to get as close to you as we possibly can so that, God, we can take all that you've done in our lives and, and display it for the world to see so that we as one big family can point people to Jesus every single day of our lives. We love you. We, we invite you into this 
time where we can just, even when it's hard, say thank you and praise you because you're good, you're faithful, you're perfect. And, and God, we are grateful. You are our hope and our only protection, and we are so grateful. And so, God, come and fill this place. May we all just sense your presence so near and here as we worship and tell you thank you for what you've done in the past, for what you're doing in the present, for what you're going to do in the future. And again, God, for the Brugman family, oh, God, may they just sense your nearness. Guide and direct their steps as they go and continue to to write in each one of them a beautiful story for your goodness and your glory in jesus name amen
I asked the team if I could interrupt just for a second. I want, I want, to, I want to now speak to, to you about you, about your life, about your situation, about your fears, about your dreams, about what you're trying to walk through right now. Because I had this moment this week, and if you follow me on social media, maybe you saw it, but I actually posted about it. I was like, crying in the gym. <laughs> um, I have, uh, I've been pretty open with you guys about most of my struggles, and, and, and one of them has been confidence. And, and probably over the last few months, because I've known about this and that this has been in the works for a while, I've never felt more like I'm not enough. Like, God, I, I think I know where you got me and, and what you're calling me to do. And I, I, I don't think I'm enough. And, and the truth is, I bet a whole bunch of you know that feeling. God, you've got me here for a reason, but I don't feel like I'm enough. You've got me around all these people. I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I'm enough. God, I think I know what you're calling me to step into. I think I see what you're calling me to walk away from or to walk into or where to begin obeying in what area, but I don't think I'm enough. You ever feel that? I'm, I'm, I was doing leg day, which I normally skip anyway, so let's be honest. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> um, the skinny jeans don't help that. Um, and I had this moment, I was listening to this this new song by Elevation Worship called Here Again. And the song talks about this very thing. And in the song, it says, I'm not enough. But then here's what rocked me. Unless, unless Jesus, unless you meet me here again. Unless Holy Spirit, you partner with me. Unless I'm reminded that when I put my faith in Jesus, that same spirit that allowed Jesus to come up out of the tomb now resides inside of me. So I don't have to be enough on my own. But with him, here's what I know. We can walk into whatever calling God has for us. And we don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. Because with the Holy Spirit working through us, yes, we are enough even on the days we don't feel it. So we're gonna sing this song and I don't want it to just be words. Some of you need to really grab on. Some of you need to stand on what we're about to sing and be reminded that he's going with you every step of the way. I know I need that, my family needs that, Chad's family needs that, your family needs that, our church family needs that, and here's what I believe with every ounce of my being, that one of these days, we're gonna look back on what we're going through today and we're gonna come to this realization, he never left me for a second. There wasn't one minute that I was forsaken. He was with me the whole time. But let's not wait till then to be confident that God is walking with us. Let's decide to do that today. And I promise I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you. All right? Let's worship, church.